0: Due to the Current Situation, a podcast about the art world, friendship, and
1: everything in between. I'm Whitney LaMora, curator, producer, and immersive artist. And I'm Denisa Young, relational artist and curator. And in this week's episode, we're talking to Alma Weezer. Hello. And director of Heaven Gallery, as well as a prominent member of Equity Arts. That's
0: true. You're going to learn what all of that is so soon, but that's just a teaser because we're not going to get to it right away. Ha ha.
1: <laughs> you got to stick around.
0: <laughs> got to stick around. Don't change the channel. Um,
1: <laughs> how are you? I I'm good. I'm so happy that the sun is like so shining bright still. I know you are. Uh, you're in a new location, which I love, and
0: you're very well lit so yes, great this is my room people be jealous okay yes you just you get a little wh- listen we already know your address and now we get to piece yeah. together the inside of your of your bedroom
1: my south-facing window and from our collectors episode you can recognize some of the art behind me from carolina people from the carolinas how about that yes my carolina yeah. wall oh that's
0: nice Today, one yeah. of my to-dos is, and especially if my electricity doesn't come back on, right now we're on a hotspot situation, um, is to hang some art and rearrange some art in, in our apartment.
1: It is overdue. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you're, you're coming to us from a hotspot because over 100 people in your area have lost power. What's happening? I don't know. I thought my vacuum was dead. Thank God it's not. It's
0: just the power to the whole block. So (laughs) I really thought I had a big problem on on my hands, but really just this entire block is out of power. So who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, thankful for the best neighbors around, uh, who just immediately started texting each other as I was sitting here, like trying to pull my vacuum apart, thinking it was broken and everyone's like, is the power out? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but maybe we'll get a big bolt, um, during this recording. That's the hope, uh, not the bolt. I just want the electricity back. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) An explosion. No explosions. Yeah, the the comment guy was basically like, "Did something explode?" And I'm like, "Not that I noticed. I don't know. I was too busy in my face in the ba- in the vacuum. I don't know." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's what's new with you? What's what's the haps?
1: Haps. Um, my intern started yesterday for my nonprofit job, which is super exciting. So that's been really fun to organize her schedule and. Kind of start on her training and we met at Jackalope Coffee. Shout out to Jackalope in Bridgeport. Okay. How cute. Um, yes. Had a little buzz monkey coffee that was so good. Um, had chocolate and banana in it, which is a weird combo for coffee, but it was very good. Wow. Your face just said it all. How do you feel being someone's leader? I love it. No, I don't know. <laughs> I feel powerful. Um, I feel powerful. No, I... I feel like humble caution and the weight of what that means. I've had good and bad leaders in my life and I just want to be on the good side, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership is so hard. (laughs) Yeah. We could do a whole episode on leadership. We both. God.
0: Okay. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Or not. We don't have to ever do that episode. (laughs)
0: Let me think about it. Let me reread Emergent Strategy, and then I can come at it more confidently. <laughs> well, that's um, exciting.
1: Yeah, she's great. She's super great, and she's a collage and mixed media artist that wants to learn about relational art. She like yesterday. She was like, "Um, you identify as a relational artist? That's what I want to become." And I'm like, "Oh, cool, great. Let's do it. Let's make it happen." So that's gonna that's exciting. And art wise, I went to Satellite on. Saturday at the Franklin Outdoor which was really awesome. It is repainted white after its purple journey. So it was a good show. It's a little bit of an art fair. Um Aspect AMFM has pieces there and some Heaven has pieces there and some places from Puerto Rico and Colombia have shows like uh galleries represent represent wow. I can't speak galleries that are represented at the Franklin. And so they added a wall, which is so exciting in the middle of the gallery. So it's totally changed the space. Incredible. Which sounds like old hat to, uh, to the
0: Franklin as, as Edra was uh, explaining how many different versions there have been. So that's awesome. I hope to catch it before it closes.
1: Yeah. It looked really great. The mosquitoes were quite present. Oh man. Those mosquitoes.
0: I mean, do you think? And we'll talk today. You know, you'll you'll hear our conversation uh, with Alma here after we get through our catch up business. But I mean, do you think this like mini art fair, like uh, you know, organization and kind of like inspiration is is a new trend? Do you think it's going to be like Are I'm excited about the idea.
1: Trends? Are we spotting the trends? I think it is time to call us trend spotters. Yeah. Um, I do think it's catching on. I think, I think for some people, the way that they're looking at it is like, what, what is an art fair? And like, it's just using another word and kind of, it's not like dogging on it or like downplaying it, but I think it's like making it more accessible to people. And so what is it, what will it mean or become if it's not this pay to play thing anymore? Yeah. Uh, So that's, it's an interesting interesting to see where it will go and like how especially bringing back the midwest fair what that will do for the climate of chicago um yeah i'm glad that you're excited about it i don't know i need to develop more feelings towards it i think i need to think a little more critically i think it's like a i'm kind of just in the just seeing it happen and i'm like oh this is happening i mean i think what i like the most
0: about it is you know it as as gallery owners and gallery operators, we can be so just in our own thing because we literally have to run our own thing. So the opportunity to get to represent what you do every day in this miniature way and put forth like kind of your community and your family of artists, whatever that means to you, um, in conjunction with other organizations. I think that's a really exciting opportunity. Um, And I do like the... A direct response to to yeah these larger institutions that are a mix between galleries coming to share their artists and individuals coming to share their work um but i mean i you know speaking of midwest fair we're just it's time to pitch we are pitching come you need to come see us perform if we, <laughs> we are we are we have spent too much money on jumpsuits And we need you to come see them. But (laughs) Midwest Fair, I mean, I was just astonished when I opened up the map of galleries that are coming in. Like we're going to meet so many people. And also we're all going to kind of be stuck in our mini galleries. You know what I mean? So um, it seems like they're doing a really excellent job putting a lot of uh, social activities together. So um, I'm excited to, to go to those with you, uh, whatever makes sense and start to meet people and make more connections. You know, I, I definitely have started to feel like in the last six months, like I've just been so heads down in my space. And even though we go out and like we bop around galleries and stuff now, officially TM, um, it can really feel like you just don't totally know anyone because you can't spend enough time with them to know them you know, and know the organizations as an organization leader as well. So it's exciting to me. It's super cool.
1: Yeah. It's super cool. I'm so excited for Midwest Fair. I think it's going to be really great. Um, and there's plenty to to see, which is going to be awesome. And so to be a part of it as it's inaugural comeback is just like a really big, I think it's, it's a big deal. Like it feels like a monument, like a monumental thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So come see us. It will definitely, we got our packet and I looked at it at least once. Um, the big day is September 10th, right? That's Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's like 12 to nine. We know we'll be there and performing. So, um, I think also Sunday morning we'll double check. We'll have the info. Just mark. mark just um, mark that whole. Just reserve that entire weekend for us in our jumpsuits. You'll be
1: at Mana Contemporary, hanging
0: out with us. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Just, just put it on the cal and meet us there. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um. Well, great. I'm good. I'm glad that uh you are out and about in the world and uh, getting your intern all. <laughs> situated and I hope your I hope your studio drama is done soon too
1: I hope so too um still drama I was emailing them today I like the the email thread is like comical at this point how long it has gotten like when I scroll onto it it's ridiculous and so I'm like please please let me move soon please sort out the things Mm. today I was like just following up I have two questions (laughs) um is it is it are you can I are you done (laughs) please (laughs) okay now that i think about it one question are you done xoxo (laughs) one question actually like yeah d (laughs) dang
0: well i have been very uh speaking of being insulated inside of the martin this this past week and going into uh this week that we're in right now have been benene really really chaotic two weeks um sometimes you just look at the calendar and you're like oh I didn't realize this was all happening on this one week. Oh, there's a whole other week of chaos right after. Goody. Um, so we saw so many events. Come <laughs> I'm grateful and thank you. I feel fine. Um, no, I mean it was it was an awesome week last week, and um, it really it, it was the kind of week where I truly feel the Martin expanding, which is a nice thing to experience. Um, you know, we kicked it off with fruit salad, another incredible performance and great night of community. And like, I barely have to do anything for that show anymore. So it's just like, it's running on its own. Uh, we're coming up on one year of doing it in October. Rain and I are meeting uh, sometime next week to kind of talk about what sort of party we want to throw for it and uh, how we want to approach year two. Uh, but that's, that's really exciting to know that Uh, we got a couple of drinks this time last year and, uh, and this is what came out of it. So, um, then we had Jenny Stark and Nora Marks playing the Martin on Thursday, and we haven't really had music in the space in a long time. And that was great. Um, and, uh, the new event assistant, our new event assistant, June, uh, came in and worked the show. Uh, It's one of her last training shifts. So you'll see June work in more events. She also helped us on fruit salad night. Um, And yeah, it was, it was just a fun night. Friday night, we had the messy misfits club back. Emma ran that, which was awesome. Lots of fun, lots of queerness doing the thing. Uh, Saturday night, then we closed Paloma and Connor's show. Uh, Emma also took the reins on that. And then Sunday we closed with the marketplace and then I, Uninstalled Paloma and Connor's show that afternoon, they picked up the artwork and it was like, it was all the exhibitions were just gone. It's just, you're there in the morning and then by the time you
1: close up, it's just an empty shell once again. So it's just so it funny. It's crazy how that space changes and how big it looks when it's empty, like, and how much it kind of shifts when things, different things are in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you
0: and I are installing Jennifer Warren's show tomorrow. Uh, she dropped off her artwork this morning, and there's there's a lot of it for one, which is awesome, and uh, yeah, a lot of very large paintings. So it's gonna it's gonna feel like a whole new space. And her birthday is on Thursday. We have our private dinner for her, uh, so it'll be long gone by the time this drops, but uh, or I guess a week later, I don't know. Uh, and then her opening on Saturday night, and the shows in the space for the next month. Um, so excited to get her. Solo exhibition up, excited to celebrate her birthday in this very specific way um, and really show everyone the talent and all the hard work that, that Jennifer has been putting into this. Um, really, it's been like a year's worth of work leading up to the show. So please come out or check her out online. She's gonna have paintings, original paintings that were turned into NFTs. She's gonna have prints. Um, it's a whole thing. It's a whole vibe. So you must oh. look at the
1: work. Is this the first time the Martin has had NFTs? Well, it's not.
0: So it's the original paintings that she then had like scanned and turned into NFTs. So the last time that she was featured when I did kind of the in-between show that was just artwork with her and Damien, all of those Van Gogh uh, riff paintings were also the NFT paintings um, that have like NFTs that exist out in the world. So I guess, so nothing digital in the show, just like here's the physical version of it. Um, but the only other time that the has had an, an NFT in the space was for the Tigray Art Collective show. They had um, at least the first night, I think it kind of didn't totally work out the next couple of nights, but they had a screen in there that was playing some like NFT artwork uh, for the night that Emma worked the show. So I didn't get to see that, but I think that's the only time that that sort of artwork has been in there. So I don't know, but either way, you get to kind of own a multi-layered uh, artistic situation if you if you purchase one of these works from Jennifer. That's dope. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we sold a big piece of art this week, which was so exciting. So we opened, uh, I curated in Beth Swanson, two of her works in the Split Rail Dining Room. And one of them sold from uh, for a restaurant regular, Julie. Love you, Julie. And um, she has collected before. She purchased an, uh, a piece of artwork from my very first show reopening in the Split Rail Martin space. Um, and she and her husband have bought a few pieces of work, but this is definitely like the biggest and most exciting and the first of the Split Rail dining room pieces to sell. So... And I wasn't even there for it. And so that also feels cool too, you know, when you're like, oh yeah, I don't have to like physically be here, like grinding to still have things happen. So it was really exciting and congrats Beth. And hopefully we sell the other one, but to sell one is like really, really thrilling. So chasing that feeling, you know, that's so cool. Yeah, it was great. It was great, but That's what's going on. So I loved uh, spending a little bit of time with you on Saturday, uh, breaking out of the Martin and going to visit Heaven
1: Gallery. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a weird, gloomy day that was trying to be sunny. It really was. It it was like, it was having a little bit of a a
0: weather tantrum that day. (laughs) Yeah, so talk. Sorry, go ahead.
1: We headed into Heaven Gallery and got to have a really great conversation at, um, the table or booth that the Franklin put together as part of Nuva's art fair, which is really exciting. So Edra invited us and kind of hooked us up with her bestie Alma to work on this conversation around a replica of the, a small replica of the Franklin gallery space within heaven, which is super cool.
0: Yeah, it was great. Multi-layered. Um, Really, we don't need to tell too much about it because we do a great job and Alma does an even better job of uh, sharing the history of heaven, sharing about the art fair. So maybe we just jump right into our interview. Let's do it. Cool.
1: Okay, so we're... Due to the current situation, we're sitting here in Heaven Gallery with Alma Weezer. It's true. Hey. Hello. (laughs) Um, So excited to have you. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit and who you are? Sure. Uh, So my
2: name is Alma Weezer. I'm the director of Heaven Gallery here in Wicker Park. Um, And I'm also the president founder of Equity Arts, which is a project to buy and redevelop a historical arts building and turn it into a cultural flagship for the future of artists
1: and entrepreneurs. Let's go. <laughs> yes. How did you get into this type of work?
2: Um, well, like so much other amazing work going on, um, it comes from an authentic need to create an anti displacement model for the arts. So, currently, right now, there is no anti displacement strategy for the city of Chicago. Um, there is nothing to save arts organizations from displacement and gentrifying neighborhoods. So I made it my mission (laughs) to save Heaven Gallery because, um, as you know, um, the world is burning. (laughs) Um, And I knew that Heaven Gallery offered something that made me have hope. And so the idea of it disappearing just felt so sad. (laughs) So instead of leaving my neighborhood, I created a model not only for Heaven Gallery to stay in their home forever, but for other people who are finding those same uh, challenges of gentrification and how culture gets pushed out of communities that um, is just this exploitive, System that we're in of capitalism where it just extracts from artists, it exploits us, where market rates go up, and then we're displaced out of the very neighborhoods that we help to create. Wow. And Heaven Gallery has been around for celebrating 22 years this year, right? Yeah, you know, so we have a kind of interesting story. Uh, we've been in this building for 22 years, but actually, Heaven Gallery started in 1997 in the Flatiron. Um, so my former husband started it in that building and um, like I said, 97. You know, 97 was a really kind of magical year in Wicker Park, the late 90s, because it was like, everyone talks about like how dangerous it was in this neighborhood and like how it was like kind of scary. Um, but then the artists came because of these giant lofts that were here and had all of these really great DIY spaces. Um, and another person who's part of that is Eric Williams of The Silver Room, also started uh, The Silver Room on Milwaukee Avenue in Wicker Park in 1997. So it was like this really weird year where kind of magical things were happening. Um, since then, uh, The Silver Room did move to Hyde Park, I think about like five years ago, I want to say. but. Um, We're bringing them back with our Equity Arts project, so Eric Williams is on our board. Um, Yeah, we missed that good house music that we used to have at the block party. I remember being at work here and not being able to wait to get off of work, because I could hear, like, the house music coming down from down the street. Of like, I gotta go, I gotta go. But it was, like, the most intimate, magical um, block party that I've ever experienced. Um, so we want to bring some of that back. I really feel like um, Heaven Gallery, this building, is like we are the last of our kind here. Everyone is gone. Um, and so there's really this like fork in the road of like, okay, well how do we envision the future? Are we gonna to continue to keep having to move neighborhoods? and? That thing about moving neighborhoods it becomes problematic because wherever we go um it does become weaponized then you know the affordability of that community is vulnerable because of us even though we we don't have wealth we're just kind of used in this very exploitive way by the market of where Um, where we're placed the value goes up other people benefit from us and so that's what we're trying to do with equity arts is really kind of flip that where the arts owns itself and then its labor it benefits from (laughs) right
0: yeah well it's very clear walking up and down the street i mean i've been in the city for 13 years now you've you and the heaven gallery have been here even longer It really feels like Wicker Park is once again going through a big change. You see more empty storefronts than ever. So there was this big change from this kind of DIY punk art driven scene, as you described. Then we moved into we got the Tom's store, we got the Foxtrot, we got all of that. And now you're seeing more empty storefronts than ever, especially from COVID. Do you think there's an opportunity for us to kind of turn around and take over those storefronts in an arts driven space or do you think it's just driven up so, so high that the only thing that can afford to come in is the, the boutiques and the big restaurant names?
2: Um, I think that the market rate, I mean how do you convince all those people to take less than what they think sure. that they should get? Of course. Um, so that's what we're thinking about with this building, right? We're talking about almost 38,000 square feet yeah. of affordable space for the arts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's huge. I mean, we're in a multi-room
0: space. You've got vintage shops happening in the front, gallery space in the front. We're in a secondary room. There's a room behind us. There's and potentially more to the space yeah. that you own now, of course, throughout the building.
2: Yeah. So. Um, I would love that idea, and I'm I'm with it, with you about like okay, what do we do with these? How do we activate these empty storefronts? Um, You know, that's the problem with uh, capitalism is that eventually it becomes unsustainable.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, it can only go up so high. Yeah, it can only go up so high. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, literally, no one can afford it, and no one who wants to live in this neighborhood can afford it. Yeah,
2: right. So, our idea with Equity Arts in this building is really thinking about how do you liberate a property from market speculation permanently. And so, a lot of what I've been doing is studying models all around the world and seeing how they've done it and trying to create a model for Chicago. Um, And what I've learned is there is something called (laughs) Perpetual Purpose Trust. And so, this perpetual purpose trust is a—it's um, not a—it's—it's a, it's, it's a for profit that will hold the building for us. And um, we launched something that's called—I know this is all weird stuff, but
1: no, this is incredible. This is okay, what we want. Okay. so.
2: Um, through through my research, I found a tool, another tool. So it's a federal securities offering. So in the state of Illinois. Um, as a nonprofit, you can raise up to ten million dollars through private conversations with community investors, um, as long as they're Illinois residents. So, um, we have launched a federal securities offering, um, and we're going to have a launch party at Heaven Gallery in November. I think it's November fourth, um, but. So it's going to be me presenting to community stakeholders um, this investment opportunity. So what's really unique about this is that um, it is a direct public offering, so it is like investing in the stock market, but it's something that you're a stakeholder in and that you would actually benefit from. So it's like when you're investing in the stock market, it's like you're just investing in this like toxic system. (laughs) But when you're investing in equity arts, you're investing in regenerative mentorship and leadership training and the art thriving arts and tapping the power of the creative economy. So it's like, it's very radical what we're doing, but the key here is that your investment is interest bearing. So um, it's 3.5% interest on your investment with a maturity of five years. So you get your investment back in 5 years. And so this is really a great example of how we can show people how artists are not starving. <laughs> how artists everywhere we go turns to gold, like really repositioning ourselves in the market and saying, "You know what? Actually, we're the safest investment out there." <laughs> wow,
0: that's huge. So do you do you foresee having to having to approach your business in any different way with a set of investors? Like, is there anything that you're gonna be promising investors or what is the level of involvement they have other than other than simply investing their funds in, in believing in, in the future of this?
2: Um, that's a great question because when you are creating a federal securities offering, you do have a choice of offering your investors equity or debt. And so we we took debt because, so this is called a promissory note. I know, I'm giving you guys, it's well, like, no, so it's great. We're, it's learning. Really cool. we're learning. It's really cool. We're learning. Our audience is learning. Yes, yes. Um, so it's a, it's a promissory note. And what it basically is, we're taking a loan from our community stakeholders. Um, and. There, there is no involvement other than we are going to be launching these community assemblies where we're going to be getting information and feedback for future programming. Um, but as far as like the way that our structure is, that all comes from Equity Arts board, and I'll tell you our board is kind of spectacular. Um, so Equity Arts is really thinking about shifting power by making by POC leaders the decision makers. So. All of our leaders, all of our cultural leaders and board members are people that are affected by these issues. And so they really know what the solution is, right? That thing about how those most close to a problem have the key to the solution. That's us, right? (laughs) We're the ones being displaced. We're the ones who need affordable space. We're the ones um, who have this vision of entrepreneurship as a um, community wealth building component that we can offer to artists and entrepreneurs um, as a means of equity right Um, so a lot through some of the focus groups that we've had with artists citywide they we uncovered a common theme and that theme was access to professional development so thinking about how some arts institutions specifically don't have like give artists, the business know-how and how to be an entrepreneur, how to put themselves out there, how to do their taxes, how to do their, like, all of these things that, you know, it's like the other side of the brain, I guess. (laughs) So we really envision equity as professional development and leadership training that does not incur debt. You know, that's one of the things that weighs a lot of us down is the debt of our student loans, you know? Um, and so, thinking about like, well, okay, how do we how do we see equity in the future? We see it by giving people the tools that they can actually become their own business owner, and you know, a more successful artist. Like, how do you write grants? How do you how do you do all of these things? Um, so, I think one of the models that we were looking at, as far as the programming goes, is. Um, On the west coast there is a place, a wonderful place called, uh, and they've been around for actually a really long time, but it's it's called the Center for Cultural Innovation. And so they're really in alignment of the way that we're thinking about this cultural flagship that offers professional development.
0: Cool. I mean it feels like every facet of life, even just human beings, all of us are constantly reflecting like why in school was I not taught? How to pay my taxes or what anything means. So <laughs> if you're in any sector at all, you should just be taught the basics for free. So yeah. that's great.
1: Yeah. And you have a so you have a, a call out right now for the mentorship program. Is that right? Yes. Can you talk a little bit yes. about that?
2: Oh yeah. Um, so we used to do an internship program here. Early on, it was just like one, and then it started growing. Um, but what ended up happening is is people who, these interns that were spending time with me, we started to see that they started to take similar demeanors as me. Uh, Demeanors and like, I don't know, what would you say? Energy, like their energy changed, (laughs) you know? And so we're like, wait a minute, I think we're onto something. Um, So then we uh, rebranded the internship as a mentorship. Um, kind of the same work that I was developing with Equity Arts and our vision of uh, creating the next generation of um, leaders and social entrepreneurs, we were kind of seeing how Heaven was creating this really dynamic experience for um, young people to take what they learned here and adapt it to other cities, or other neighborhoods and so right now we have two really great examples of that one of our former um, interns uh who became a manager of having we always hire i'll tell you that part that's another cool thing about having galleries we always hire from the people who mentor or that we mentor so we get to know how of a well fit they are and then we hire from there Um, So one specific person, they were fantastic. They became the manager and then they moved to Berlin and started their own gallery there. And so they sent me this wonderful letter and said, you know, if it wasn't for the time that I had with you, like this wouldn't have happened. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. But it's it's that piece that you say, okay, wait a minute, (laughs) this isn't just, this isn't an internship. This is a mentorship. And this is an opportunity for us to create a whole generation of what I like to call mini
1: dragons. <laughs> That's cute. Love we that. love that. Yes. We love that so much. Um, and now we're sitting in Nuez Art Fair, which is the first art fair that you've hosted, right?
2: Uh, it's actually the third iteration. Is not it the third? Wow. Yeah. No.
1: Under the same
0: no. title? Okay. okay. No.
2: So... Um, the first one was uh, really rooted in gentrification, and it was called "Everything Must Go." Everyone's always having fun here; <laughs> it's great. Um, it's called it was called "Everything Must Go," and it was this idea of uh, like gentrification and how it erases culture, and how we have like these sales of of art where everything has to come out because they have to leave. Mm -hmm. And so it was like this explosive art fair that also featured a bunch of DIY art spaces all around the city. Um, That was the first iteration. And then the second iteration was called Alternative Space, and it was based off of um, Lynn Warren, the former curator at the MCA, who also lives in this neighborhood. It never comes here. <laughs> um, what, where, are are, are listening? Uh, <laughs> I always think that's so weird, but how? Okay. Um, but it was called oh Alternative Space, based off of a book that Lynn Warren wrote called uh, The Same Name. Mm-hmm. So it was this, also this idea of uh, Chicago's history of DIY space and like its power, right? The power of the chicago arts community and like how no matter what we're looking at space and we're like oh that's a gallery (laughs) you know like okay you know um so that was the second version and now the third version is um we were really thinking about nubes in this idea of dreaming so nubes is the spanish word for clouds and thinking about um in this pivotal moment where we're trying to buy this building and trying to re-envision what equity in the arts looks like, really thinking about how can we highlight highlight, um, by POC-led arts organizations from all around the city. So we really wanted to give a snapshot of what that looked like. Um, I will tell you, we had a really big struggle for the far north side, there is like not many (laughs) Um, by VOC arts-led organizations like Far North, so um, in that regard, we don't feel like it captured an entire snapshot of the cultural landscape fully. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: or it did because if there's oh, nothing yeah. to pull from, you know. But that that also like seems like an opportunity for yeah. Chicago. But also, if you're like, well, here is literally where it is what's happening up here and how can we expand up there. So yeah, but yeah.
2: Yes. Um, so part of this one, we wanted to develop programming that went along with it. So we did two different talks. Um, the first one, I think you were at one of them, Denise, yeah, right? Yeah, the second one. Okay. The first one was about arts and sustainability, which I can talk to you about forever. <laughs> and I'm really obviously interested in that realm. Um, so, when we say art and sustainability, we're talking about how Heaven Gallery has this innovative retail model where we have this thing that I'm good at of buying vintage clothes and jewelry and turning that into revenue that then becomes arts programming. So, right now, Heaven Gallery's budget is sustained by about, I think it pays for about 60, 60 or 70 percent, comes from um vintage clothes and jewelry that's incredible (laughs) um yeah and really thinking about how do we empower this next generation of cultural leaders to think about what revenue streams they can tap to sustain culture right um one of the things that we learned and i talk about this a lot um is that when we opened the store what we realized was we engaged an entirely different audience you know, this is one of the things that, as a long-standing arts organization, it's like, how do I reinvent myself? How do I, like, reach a younger audience? How do I engage them? And I think we found the secret sauce. It's apparently vintage clothes and jewelry.
0: Whatever it takes. Yeah. It, it also makes sense on this strip, in this neighborhood,
2: with, with right. what's surrounding you as well. So Absolutely. it totally makes sense, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what we what we learned in that was, um, the clothes and the in the jewelry, it created a buffer. It created a buffer for much larger conversations that we were having in the galleries. You know, it, it was great because it was like, oh, clothes, like that feels approachable to the to the regular person. Whereas if I we were just a gallery, you know, that kind of like white cube feels a little intimidating and. And people are afraid of things that they don't know, but since we had something that they were familiar with as a buffer, it was like there was an easier gateway into these contemporary art conceptual conversations about all of those things, you know?
1: And it makes space for people to know that they're like valued in that space too, that they can contribute as just like a regular person into an art space also.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Um, on that note, just out of curiosity, you know, we, we
0: talk a lot about how different galleries are displayed, how different galleries share the information that they have here, you know, and we're, it is an art fair, so it's set up by gallery to gallery of the collections. Um, there are no tags, you, you go by work lists, so just curious why you do work lists versus versus labeling things on the wall and kind of sharing with the community, especially if you're capturing people from the street with the vintage clothes. Um, Just curious your choice around doing a works list versus putting the information on the wall.
2: Um, Putting the information on the wall feels like a cafe. (laughs) It's kind of um, in contemporary in the contemporary art world's in all the galleries that I've been in and the way that when I came here that's the way it was um, it was always on a list I know some people some artists don't want their prices out there like that you know Um, so that being the reasoning we, we just that's the way it always was I think it looks better too you know like we're kind of in that minimal even though this is so maximal
0: yeah there's a lot of there's a there's lot of, work, a lot in of here, work in here but yeah. yeah and I can understand like with the volume of work and the way that it's outlined you know having like having having style. some yeah it's very salon style like having something on every single work could be overwhelming um, it's just a conversation that Denisa and I have all the time um, especially around closing the gap between understanding how much a piece of art can be worth so I understand that some people are like, well, my, my work is priced pretty high, and so I don't want to like scare people away, but also just kind of closing that gap of conversation between can I afford to be a collector or not?
2: Well, you know, we do have a sign that says prices at the front desk. For sure. And I think that that's kind of nice because then you're engaging that person in the artwork that they're interested in. People do ask for prices all the time. Oh, good, yeah. Um, so. I guess I don't know if it, it hinders. I mean, then it goes back to that thing, like, if you have to ask the price, then you can't afford it anyway. Yeah, and you're just
1: like, oh, sorry. We talk about yeah. that a lot, too, where we're like, oh, this is out of my range. And then you just like slowly sling, yeah, like yeah, slink yeah. away, and you're like, OK, I'm going to be over here now. Yeah. But that's OK, though. Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: I will say, too, one of the impetus for this art fair is also thinking about um, accessibility. See mm-hmm. art, so if you go to Heaven Galleries booth here, we have artwork for like seven dollars, twenty dollars, forty dollars. give us whichever dollars you got <laughs> you know like we're really thinking about like having that accessibility um, for people who don't have the budget for sure,
0: yeah, yeah, that's great so. It feels like, and I, I believe in in your research and our research about the art fair that this is kind of a direct, a direct response to some of the much larger pay to play art fairs that exist in our city. Yes, absolutely, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. So is, I I assume that that was not this structure. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, and so it kind of feels with with both this art fair as well as the Midwest Art Fair that's coming up. That was that is also designed in direct response. It was free to, to apply, it's gonna be free to participate, just you know whatever costs that you need to bring into it. Do you think that's kind of a direction that, that we're going in? Do you think we'll see more kind of DIY or response-based response art fairs like this in the future?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for us, it was like, yeah, free art booth. Um, but on top of that, when I've done art fairs, it's just exhausting to sit at your booth like that labor piece of like waiting for that one person or who's
1: maybe gonna try to look at something yeah. and not slink away when you show them the like like the price list
2: yeah we wanted to stay away from that yeah. we wanted people to have the freedom to be part of an art fair and not have the um, the bad part about it right the paying for your booth and also manning your booth yeah. um, so we just wanted them to install it and then we were also thinking about Summer is always like a slumpful time for the art for art galleries and openings and you know our sales go down in the summer. I'm sure a lot of people know this about retail. Um, people are too busy having fun. Sure. <laughs> but um, so this was a way for us to kind of um, like reinvigorate you know summer sales. We've actually sold a good amount of work. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've sold a lot of the affordable stuff, but we've even sold some of the more pricier stuff, which is awesome to be giving checks to artists and art spaces um, during a summer, like during the summer slump, right? Yeah, so out of curiosity,
0: um, with whatever details you're, you feel comfortable sharing, yeah. how does the profit share work in something sure. like this? Does some of it go back to the gallery and some of it go to the
2: artist? Yeah, so um, 60%, Heaven Gallery has always paid 60% to the artists. Um twenty percent goes to the participating art space and then twenty percent goes to Heaven Gallery. Cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's
2: awesome. I'm curious, so you you know,
0: this is this is a theme in in what you've shared with us today, how reinventing yourself, reinvigorating the process, seeing how you can respond to the slow seasons, to the slow business. Um, you know, you, you're someone who's been in the business for a long time, and as you said earlier, you've seen arts organizations come and go for a variety of reasons. As someone who has stuck with it, what is your what? How how do you how do you stay in it? How do you stay in it when you see others fall to the side for a variety of reasons? Um, and how do you stay motivated to be like, okay, well, this is a thing we need to reimagine, other than packing it in and being like, I've done this for.
2: 22-plus years now. You know what? Um, I'll tell you right now. It all comes from that when I came here, having gallery changed my life. It really did. (laughs) In what ways? Um, So many ways. Sorry, I get like a little bit emotional. No, no we love it. Love it. No, we We love love cry, we we cry every day. Yeah. <laughs> we love crying. Start crying, Denisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, it changed my life in so many ways. Um, and when I say that, I mean that like I would say that I was into art, but I never really understood how much of a connector, healer um, it was until I came here. And then when I saw the community here and I tapped into it, how that was just like this power source that I had plugged into and it was like, what the hell just happened? Um, So for me, thinking about it ending um, is a very personal story for me and like why this is so important. I will say that it's not just because of the, the vulnerability of having gallery um, being displaced, but also the light that I saw in this neighborhood being, you know, blown out, (laughs) right? Um, So one of the big ones for me specifically was uh, the double door. I don't know if either one of you guys ever went there, but it was a magical place. I did,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I've been here yeah, 13 years, and so when I first came, I mean, Earwax Cafe was still open.
2: Oh nice. like I've seen yeah. so
0: much of the transition and the change, and yeah, I went to double door and to see that close down and now turn into a foxtrot or whatever or the Yeti store.: it's Yeti story, yeah, that's yeah. right
2: is uh, that's yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. so um: Yeah, so it, it's really from that like, grief. I kind of feel like that part of the movie where, like, your best friend gets killed in front of you, and you're like, okay, now this shit's on, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Now,
0: you, I know, I know you keep referencing, like, you didn't want to see heaven, like, close or be lost. Were you at a breaking point, and then you're like, this is the only really Oh, yeah. Right. We
2: had developers all up in here. Okay. They cool. were, like, looking into our gallery and, like, placing their bids on us. It was, like, a very it was a really exploitive really gross feeling um when you looked at the memoranda for the buildings to be sold they talk about vibrant art scene vibrant galleries like they're using us to sell us what that is and you're like that is me
1: i made that i created that wow yeah yeah that's hard
2: yeah so um like I said, it's it's a very personal, it's a deep personal story between the Silver Room and everything that we lost. I really feel like there's a opportunity here, specifically uh, post-pandemic, um, because the building went on the market. I want to say, in the fall of 2019, and you know, everyone, I had people coming up to me and be like, oh, sorry, I heard that you're being displaced. I heard that you guys are gonna have to leave. And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. No, <laughs> like, you heard wrong. I was like very firm about that from the very beginning. And then the world turned upside down and then it was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm really not going anywhere. So, <laughs> that was your response to COVID? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's coming after me this year. Yeah. Yeah, because the owner couldn't get that high price anymore. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah. Nobody was doing anything and opening new businesses. That totally makes sense.
2: Right, right. Wow. So, it gave you a little bit
0: of a lifeboat
2: for oh, a minute. A huge one. Yeah. A huge one. Wow. Not only because everything was put on pause, but because um, all the federal money flooding into the city of Chicago for redevelopment post COVID and how Equity Arts is actually eligible for that money. Get it. So I remember being in um, like a, what is that called? Like a listening, like a learning listening session for some grants that were being um, offered through the city and I remember this woman saying like this is more money that you are going to see in the next two lifetimes and i'm just like yes get me on that um, money train take that
1: money take that
0: money yeah i mean i think that's you know you talked in going back to your mentorship and, and teaching artists how to how to find these opportunities how to grow their own um practices you know that's something there's so much money in the city always but especially right now in this COVID relief you know and it's it's just an added pressure to artists and organizations and gallerists and galleries to find that money, apply for it, go for it, but it's there if you if you carve out that time. So I think it's really valuable that you're teaching people how to do it and that you're chasing that for
2: yourself. So that's great. Yeah, I think um, going back to this idea of there is no model. So I will I will add to that um, that cities all around the world have anti displacement strategies for. The arts, but Chicago has nothing. So to be honest with you, it it's almost as if the cultural energy that the city has does not match the way that it is funded <laughs> and the way that it is supported. Um, that That's is, true th- the board. Yes, yeah. yes. So the fact that we have major cities around the world, specifically I'll cite New York right now, their equivalent of D case is buying buildings to preserve their arts organizations and placing them into trust. Exactly what I've been saying. Ah. And so um, we really see this as an opportunity of positioning equity arts as the model. So we call, I've, I've branded it the Chicago Model for Sustainable Culture. And um, another thing that Chicago is behind on is uh, community ownership models. We are behind nationally. We're not even in the running. Like, we're not even in the, like, they they say number one, number two. Like, I don't know how many numbers they have, but we're not even on it. (laughs) And we're a major city, major international city. So here I am, like, delivering them two things. an anti-displacement model that also has a community ownership component um, so we're really hoping to use that and leverage um, equity arts as the emerging model do
0: you ever consider
2: getting involved in Chicago politics no
1: <laughs> you can run for mayor, president, president of Chicago President of <laughs> Chicago. Oh, I'll be like the
2: unofficial, like kind of like Edmar is the mayor of Bridgeport. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll
2: be, oh, I want to be the Queen of Milwaukee Avenue. Can I be that? Ooh, Absolutely. The
1: Queen of Milwaukee Avenue. Yeah. I like that title for
2: you. Let's vote. Okay. I, I got vote some, yes. I vote yes. Ooh, I vote yes rolls. too. <laughs> um, to that. There's a funny story that goes with that. So this building actually developers they call it the Queen of Milwaukee Avenue. Yeah, the building itself. The building itself.
0: Oh wow!
1: Oh, so you're the queen of the queen of Milwaukee. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you're
0: the
1: queen queen mother. Yeah, this all makes sense. You're the queen of the hive. This is perfect for you. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's like not even.
0: It's like meant to be. Um, It it just brings me. I just keep thinking back to our night at the Franklin and talking to. We did a tiny mic session where we asked. uh, We were posed with a question of of how to get uh, if you're a person who's new to the city or just kind of trying to find your way, how to, how to integrate yourself into art spaces. And I just keep thinking about Galena's comment where she said, you know, find a community that, community that you wanna invest in and have a reason because you want it to continue. And so that's what I feel like is happening here. So with that thought, what outside, outside of the, the mentorship, which sounds like an awesome opportunity and there's a call open for it right now, what's the best way for people to get involved and help you in this mission?
1: Either oh in God. the space
0: or with with your initiatives you need overall. Me. I need help, please help me. We'll, and we'll put your your this contact. This is an SOS. <laughs> <laughs> this is an emergency, emergency alert. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll drop the uh, the noise in here, um, and we'll I'll, put your almost, contact. In there. Almost
2: abundant energy is waning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I will tell you, part of Equity Arts, we have two committees. Um, one of them is called the advisory committee, and this is all pre-development. So this deals with all of these things that I'm new to, like pro formas and PCAs, property condition assessments for buildings, and inspections, and phase one, environmental, and like all these things that um, I'm learning. <laughs> sure. um, we know
0: all, all about it. So <laughs> we're experts on P, PTA PTTS PTAs the, PTA's, the PTAs. <laughs> parent teacher.
1: teacher
2: association. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um so that's one committee that somebody could join if they're interested in like learning about pre-development and also fundraising. So that's one committee. And then the other committee is the BIPOC arts leaders. So a lot of the way that we've been envisioning this future takeover of this building is really thinking about building it with community and how um, arts leaders can inform these equity frameworks that we're creating. Um, Also planning future programming, so through that committee we planned the two talks that were part of Nubez Art Fair, which was the Arts and Sustainability. Um, I don't think we mentioned the other one. It was called Curating Outside the White Cube, which, Dan- um, Danessa, you came to. Yeah, it was,
1: it was an incredible talk.
2: Yeah. Um, so we're really thinking about like equity frameworks being developed from there and then also programming. So if anyone's interested, if they're a by POC arts leader here in Chicago and they're like interested in getting involved in, Um, And so it's just like a monthly meeting that they come to and we just kind of um, brainstorm about programming that we want to launch in Heaven Gallery in partnership with Equity Arts. So thinking about in the interim where we don't have a physical Equity Arts place, Heaven Gallery is really um, the incubator for that future programming to say, this is how we're thinking about what we envision for that downstairs, like the type of programming that we're gonna be offering. So it's it's really thinking about a couple of things. So uh, multi-generational programming, as well as holistic. So for instance, here at Heaven, we do artist talks, we do musical performances, we also do meditations. So thinking about like that whole mind, body, spirit, you know, being addressed and being cared for, thinking about how do you create um, a community of care that's grounded in principles of solidarity economy. We're also really interested in that, which we had a couple of workshops here that were um, in partnership with Equity Arts. So uh, that's a whole other thing that we could talk about, um, like time banking and um, how do we uh, create systems within ourselves that are, the opposite of, of the exploitive and extractive capitalism system that we've been in for so long. So, um, there's a lot of really um, wonderful principles of sustainability and caring for one another that are embedded in the solidarity economy that we really feel resonate with this future vision. It's really important. Can you, can you share how you define a leader?
0: So if someone's like, well, I'm involved or I'm an artist and I don't, I don't know if I, if I lead enough, like how, how do you define that for people that you're looking to get involved in, in that segment specifically?
2: Um, you know what? They don't necessarily have to be a leader. They can be somebody who wants to be a leader. Um, and you know, when I think about leadership, I just think about someone who has this energy that is kind of infectious. You know, I see myself the same as everyone else, but I think that my energy is kind of like, oh, you can do this. You know, it's you could be a leader, you could inspire people to want a better world and and create their own version of that. I think it's also about being a leader is really about um, accountability, Mm -hmm. like being accountable. That's so important. <laughs> um, you know, I always frame um, failures as learnings. So we're all learning here. No one's going to feel bad. Um, and anything that that maybe isn't as, as successful is just another step of us getting to the point where we're going to, like, hit it, <laughs> you know? Um, But yeah, it could be anyone. I will say that our mentees, our former mentees, are also part of that BIPOC leaders committee. Um, So it it is a place of where you can be a traditional leader of where you're running an arts organization, or it could be that you're interested in the types of things that we're doing, or even you're um, like an arts administrator. You know, so um, it's it's pretty broad the way that we're thinking about it. So nobody has to feel limited.
0: That's wonderful. I think that will that will encourage even more people to to take part and hopefully grow and create even more leaders in in the community.
1: Yeah, come help Alma. She's a great person. Yeah, yeah. It, you heard of the SOS? The oh, SOS. Yeah. That's yeah. you right Hello. there. Sign up. Yes. What else? See that. Um, I just wanted to talk about one thing about Nubes. Uh, I loved your vision about what you talked about equity in the arts. Looking and a call to dream radically. Yeah. Um, when you talk about dreaming radically, what does that like look like for you or for the gallery, either as part of New as Art Fair or coming up in the next couple years? Yeah. Well, it's all about
2: disrupting the system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's such a need for that because, I mean, we were we were so deep in this inequity of scarcity and the lies that the market tells us, right? That how do you, so many of us have that even ingrained into us. It's kind of like the patriarchy, like even women have the patriarchy ingrained into them. So it's like, how do you undo the damage? How do you unlearn the toxic systems that we've been in, right? So um, I think that's what I mean by dreaming radically is like going totally to the other side of where we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So. Um, we're displaced from our neighborhoods, but yet we're the economic drivers, you know, and like even now with the city being like, oh yeah, we're going to like put artists there. It's like, okay, how about like saving space? We already, have. It's already Yeah, here. yeah. It's already here. It's already here. It's already here. Yeah.
1: The queen of the queen. She, yeah. She's spoken. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, that's how we're thinking about dreaming radically and, and, you know, really thinking about, you know, what kind of frameworks, you know, how can we start off with metrics? So what we did... Uh, maybe like six years ago here at Heaven Gallery, you know we knew that there was disparity in representation of by POC artists. And so I did create a, um, a racial equity policy for our organization that said um, it had to be a sixty percent majority by POC artists that we show and our board. Um, and so from that, I adapted that to equity arts, and now it's in our bylaws that um, racial equity policy, so really thinking about metrics, starting with metrics as opposed to doing something and then measuring it later, we're measuring it even before it begins.
1: That's
0: incredible. It's great. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting ahead of it and you're being purposeful before somebody turns around and is like, um, and like it's, it's just the way that the future should be. Um, the current should be, really, and then into the future. And I, I you know, I, I just commend you so much in any radical thinking because that's the hardest work to do, right? There is no pathway. There is no, that's, that's what radical thinking and radical dreaming is, is literally dreaming up a new path. So, yeah, this, this, is, this is the type of work that does need the most help and the most, like, brain power and effort behind it because there is no playbook.
2: Right, right. Um, and... When I think about radical reimagination, it's it is about what if the arts owned itself?
1: Yeah, it's a really beautiful thought.
2: What if like our labor didn't get benefited from a property owner that has nothing to do with us? You know? Mm-hmm. And has no like we're always we're we're paying their mortgage, right? <laughs> that they're then selling this building to us for like millions of dollars or <laughs> so. It's like, wait a minute. Something's not right here. But we're really thinking about it as, um, like I said earlier, liberation, like liberating something and also insulating it from the market um, because the market is so uh, volatile and thinking about, like, well, how do you, how do you freeze a building? <laughs> you know, like, how do you freeze it? How do you, like, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you... Um, think about how the, the benefit of that building can just funnel into this vision and support this vision, right? Totally. Um, so we're excited about the future. You guys, it's not over. It's not ending yet. <laughs> it sounds like it's just beginning, it's just to beginning. be honest.
0: I mean, I'll, not to, not to uh, undo the years and years of work that it took to get here, but it does really sound like this this is just the beginning. So congratulations and you know, it's exciting to
1: talk to you. And yeah. September 3rd, there's gonna be a big party. <gasps> yeah, Talk there about is. the Bennys.
2: Us. Heaven Benny baby is back. Okay. Um, so we are doing Back to Life. Yes, off of the 90s hit song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's 90s themed and this is Heaven Gallery's 22nd uh, year anniversary party, being in the Lubinsky building and we're going to do it with an art auction a silent art auction with um over 50 works of art by chicago artists some of our favorite artists there's so much good stuff yeah so if you got some blank walls at your house you better come to our party um and then we also have a raffle i will tell you alongside being the queen of milwaukee avenue i am the queen of the raffle yes, i'm gonna buy so many tickets there's so many good prizes like $100 gift card for Violet Hour, my favorite drinks and $100 gift card for Dove's Luncheonette and Big Star and um, Handlebar, my other favorite restaurant. So um, I'm going to win some things that night. (laughs) Watch out, Um, y'all. And then we have two awesome DJs. um, Bless Tonio, who is our resident DJ here at Heaven Gallery, also Franny Flo's um, boyfriend (laughs) and um, Someone who I admire so deeply is DJ Celeste Alexander, who has been DJing in Chicago. So she is the queen of house music. um, And I'm so happy to have her DJing here for the first time. I will say that there is also a disparity in women DJs. So anytime I can get a woman DJ, I'm like, yes. Um, So she's going to also be performing um yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We have um, food donated from Bloom. So if you're a vegan, we got your back. Mm-hmm. And we also have food from Barbaro on North Avenue who's like this new like fancier taco, taco place who also loves us. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a fun event, and tickets are on sale now in our link in our bio or on our website. Um, they're
1: really My ticket, so I'm going. Yeah, oh, you are. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, we here at Heaven Gallery, we're really um, invested in equity. So, our ticket is only $25 because we want to be accessible to everybody. Oh, great. Um, so we wanted to have a price that was like, oh yeah, $25, hell yeah, we'll go to that party, (laughs)
0: yeah. $25 to eat, drink, hear tunes, see amazing art, support this building, and what you guys are doing is, is a fantastic price point. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us and we're so excited that you came on the pod. Yeah. thank you. And we're going to
0: link everything in the show notes so people know how to reach out to you, how to find Heaven Gallery and And apply for the mentorship. Yeah, do
1: everything. And equity arts, of
0: course. Of course. Yes. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yay. Yay.
1: (laughs) Woohoo! When he's doing magical arms. Uh, We're back now uh, from our (laughs) Heaven Gallery trip. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Alma. It was so great. And shout out to uh, MK
0: and Zaire, uh, from our Martin Podcast fam who run the Queens and Queers Podcast. They made the interview possible by letting us borrow a couple of more uh,
1: travel friendly mics than what we use here. So thank y'all, appreciate the borrow. Yes, we love a community share as we have previously mentioned in our last episode. It's true. Um, Well, this is, this was great. Should we transition into shout outs? This is the easiest podcast recording ever. Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Do you want to go first? Yeah. I only have one that I wrote down for this week, but I would love to shout out the series, a league of their own. Shout it out. Let's go. I shouted out hardcore. I stand by that series. I watched it so like very quickly. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I won't. No spoilers, but it was a roller coaster and lots of emotions, and I loved it. So shout out to them. What What
0: about it? What about it? Like makes you like? I don't know. What was What was special about it to you? Like the relationships, the writing. I just think it
1: captured. Yeah, it captured the era really interestingly um I think the character development is really beautiful I think the like story about like the black baseball league is really strong and like these these like women characters are really just like strong female characters and like a whole baseball league about them and a whole show about them and yeah it's just it's sad it's happy it's joyful it's Mm. real it's raw it's just all the things just watch all eight episodes yeah do it
0: Uh, we've, we're just two episodes in, so we're a little behind, uh, but it is now officially in the rotation, uh, after we filmed the, or screened, we didn't film, uh, after we screened. (laughs) You know
1: that (laughs) when he filmed like their own. I don't want to
0: brag, but thank you for bringing it up. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to us for making the show. Um, no, we, we screened the first episode in Dorothy and then we had a lot of people reach out and be like, are you screening episode two this week? And I'm like, oh shit, I guess we should have. Um, but things like that. You just never know if they're going to take off or you're going to be like episode five and everyone's like, we don't care. We're not coming in eight weeks in a row, you know? So we'll see. But um, great. I love that shout out. Thank you.
1: Um,
0: I will shout out Good Omen Tattoo. I went and got tattooed. Um, I teased it on the pod, but it happened faster than I was really anticipating. I was in conversation with Uh, One of my favorite tattooers, Julia, who is the owner of Good Omen Tattoo over at uh, Belmont and Damon, if you live in the Chicago area, Uh, and we were talking about a different tattoo that didn't really work out. And I was like, oh, by the way, how about a cicada? And she was like, hell yeah, get in here. So we had a great conversation. She's the kindest, fastest tattooer that exists. So I was in and out in 45 minutes, which is like a literal record um and she's just such a joy I just love connecting yeah, it's not with her a small piece it's not like tiny it's not the smallest but it's not the it's not the biggest either that's <laughs> it, what I mean that just feels like I feel like she was quick for like what it is yeah she's so fast I love that and like what more do you want than a fast good tattooer like nobody wants to be in that pain and so the faster you get it done the better it is uh, but yeah, she's awesome. Uh, she's fellow lesbian, small business owner and is such a champion of ours. Um, also has an incredible Instagram, uh, pers- like following. So, uh, anytime she hypes us up, it, it helps us a lot. So shout out to her shout out to this tattoo and shout out to just like community and like business owners helping each other. It's so hard out here. So anything you've got that you can help leverage someone
1: else, like it, it just goes so far. So that's my shout out for the week that's awesome well this has been a great episode i'm so glad we got to travel all the way to worker park uh, all the way all the way (laughs) and hang out there with alma and hang out here with each other Dodo. all right well we'll see you next week tune in bye bye